0: It's Rock and Roll! Welcome to the Look It's Rock and Roll podcast. I'm your host, Julian Gill. Today, the panel consists of Marcus Almighty. Mark? Hello, sir. Well, why am I using the Kiss of AQ names? Um... (laughs) Ken, (laughs) and we've got a special guest with us today steve welcome to the show um why don't you let everyone know about yourself and the show that you do and where people can find that and what you guys cover
1: all right hi everybody and uh thanks for the invite it's great to be here i've been listening to uh Kiss FAQ forever and uh, look at Rock and Roll for uh, you know since you guys started doing it. The Wasps episodes were great. Um, it, it's funny when you have Andy on there; he's always got some uh, some kind of different takes, and I love the story when this car got uh, towed away and everything. That was pretty funny. And uh, uh, I'm I'm the one of the four hosts of the Potter Than Hell podcast. Uh, we're a hard rock and metal podcast. We do everything from kiss to wasp and everything we just did a Dio episode and um i do the show with my co-host bc a lot of initials in our show bc bb and dylan my son he's the one that uh, like does all of our editing and everything like that and actually dylan just did an interview with alice cooper with um one of our our buddies that comes on our show and uh he's We've been doing some cool interviews lately. I just did one with Carmine and Vinnie Apice, a piece, whichever way you want to pronounce it. And, uh, BB just did one with Jesse James Dupree from Jackal. So, uh, we have a, we actually just did 150th episode. So, uh, we have a lot of stuff out there. Uh, hope you guys check us out and thanks for the invite here today.
0: Yeah, Jackal. I love that first album. That's the only oh, yeah. one I've had that is one of yeah. the standout albums from that period in terms of hard rock. So very cool. need to probably listen to that episode and catch up on what he's been up to and where he's gone. All right. So today we're going to be talking, we're, you know, we're swinging all around the place at the moment in terms of our picks, friends' picks. Um, you know, obviously, thank you for the nice comments about the Wasp episode. It's been really fun to to do those with uh, Bill and Andy and Brant on on the first one. Um, But today, we're up at that end of the uh, alphabet, and we're going to be talking about the first two Van Halen albums. And for someone who only came to America in 1978, I did not listen to Van Halen for quite a few years after that. My first Van Halen album... I actually lifted from someone's car's console uh, diver Down. <laughs> uh, oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I, I was, uh, well, was I preteen? 82? Uh, I, I was a young punk. I was an idiot. Still am. Um, so that was my introduction to Van Halen. And then obviously, with the kids in school, you know, went backwards and discovered the other stuff, going all the way back to obviously the first album. Mark, why don't you tell everyone about your introduction to Van Halen? Hopefully, it didn't involve a felony
2: uh no 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 felony involved um but it was interesting because both of the times that i uh where it was introduced to them because i was actually introduced to them kind of twice i kind of look at it because the first time i had heard them in the parking lot of a mini mall that where i used to live when i was younger and at that time i had no idea what the heck i was listening to all i know is that this guy had a 73 camaro with the windows down and something blasting out of it. It was a guitar solo, just nonstop, just like, like, what the hell is that? And then all of a sudden you just heard right after it. And I'm like, oh, I know that song. And I, But I, I knew it as the Kinks song, right? And then when I heard it at that time, I was like, this, this doesn't sound like that version. It sounded really cool. So didn't think much of it and until about a few years later. My sister, my older sister, once again comes into the picture uh her boyfriend at the time was a dj and he had this huge stereo system and for some reason he sometimes set it up in his house and i guess if he wanted to annoy his neighbors or something he would crank it he had like these 1500 watt power amps and he would turn them on and i remember one time i went there with my sister and you could hear already about halfway down the street there was something coming down the street some music and as he got closer to his house it was just blaring and I remember that guitar solo starting to come in, and I was inside the house, and it was so loud. It's like it was like your whole vision was shaking. It was like, Z-Z-Z-Z. but hearing Van Halen one in its entirety at that volume was a totally life changing experience for me, because I had just been playing guitar for maybe about a year and a little bit at that time, and was just you know learning like Tony Iommi riffs and stuff like that. But then to hear you know the songs that were on this first album. Uh, my jaw was on the floor for for the next half an hour. So, what a what a great album.
0: Yep, what a great introduction, Steve. How about you? What was your introduction to Van Halen?
2: Uh,
1: my introduction to Van Halen, uh, my my buddy Rob and I, we were uh, we were so massively into Kiss, and it, it was probably about I'm gonna say probably 70 late 79 80, and um his sisters were uh, kind of a big influence on of what we listened to besides Kiss, um you know like Metallica and stuff like that. But he uh, one day we had a we had a set up in his basement. And he had a bunch of speakers. He's like, hey, check this out. And He put on Van Halen one and you hear that. We're like, oh, my God, what was that? And then after that, we were like. Because it was kind of at the time where Kiss started to kind of, you know, dynasty and, and unmasked kind of started to go in the, the lesser hard rock
2: Pop. realm.
1: Yeah. And And we were like we were totally in on Van Halen. We were, like, you know, kiss who for a while there, and it was, like, all Van Halen. And, and to this day, David Lee Roth, he's he's my man. He's, he's like, that that much far above Paul Stanley for me. But he is above him.
0: Nice. And, and all's fair in rock and roll, eh? Ken, how about you? Uh, your introduction to the mighty Van Halen. Yeah, my
3: introduction was... Um, I remember... It was, like, I think it was... Some early summer 79 and uh, i went for a, a drive down to with another guy down southern california and he said oh have you heard this you know this music lately or whatever and he and he proceeded just to, to crank the stereo and and i heard the you know the first opening uh, like you know that siren type of sound uh, coming the and then it kicks in yeah. yeah yeah the car yeah the car horns and then the uh then later on, when it, you know, uh, eruption comes in next, and it's like, what is this? It's just it's like I, I, never heard anything like it in my in my life. So uh, that's how I got started. But I, I don't think I bought that album first. I think I bought after hearing that. I think I the first one I saw was Van Halen two. So I actually bought Van Halen two before Van Halen one. Uh, so that's how I got my start there
0: so it's an interesting thing i'm, I'm gonna say straight up i am not a die-hard van halen fan i never have been oddly one of the first bootlegs that i ever bought was a van halen bootleg and you know i did have the i think the first album uh, you remember those circus mirrors Those like five by five yeah, inch, yeah, yeah. you know I, I had that for the uh for the uh, w album art But I I never got into them on kind of the same level I did, say, Kiss or Def Leppard or The Beatles or Megadeth. Um, So I I will put that out here. I also want to, before we get into kind of the deep conversation, I I do want to point out that in the last few years, a excellent book has come out about Van Halen and its foundations, written by someone who several of us know, Um, Mm -hmm. Greg Randolph's Van Halen Rising is the go-to book on the foundations and formation of the band. And he has a new book out, which is, of course, uh, Ted Templeman's Memories. I haven't started reading this yet because I'm just finishing up the Prince book. Um, But... You know, the amount of work that Greg put into the Van Halen book, I'm sure, is the same for Ted Templeman. And Ted's career, of course, spans a whole bunch of other acts in addition to uh, Van Halen, especially some of the ones that are connected to the later period of that band. So check out Greg's works. Um, let's get into talking about Van Halen 1. Um, I, I know I have the question of what is your... Um, Your your favorite or your go to Van Halen album. I want to leave that to the end. So let's, uh, someone remind me that I've moved that around. But let's start (laughs) with, you know, the impressions of particularly uh, Van Halen one. And we'll just go sequentially on these albums. Um, what it is that you like about the sonics, the sound, or the production, or elements of it that stand out to you as a recorded work. For myself, it's simply one of the best sounding. And well-rounded debut albums of any band uh, in my lifetime. There are very few albums that come close to being that strong, that powerful, that perfect-sounding, and having such a great uh, you know, selection of cuts on the album. You know, other ones for me are like Mechanical Resonance, Tesla, Montrose's first album, Guns N' Roses' Appetite, and uh, you know, that's pretty much. The top echelon of best debut albums for for my taste. Ken, let's start with you on that question.
3: Yeah, I think that like what you said, the album is has great sound to it, especially for a first album. I mean, plus the band sounds real tight, and there is just so much great music on it in the first place. But you hear everything clearly, and and also the power of it's really like a, a trio, right? It's like a power trio. And, and I don't know how Eddie gets so much great guitar sounds uh, out of his guitar, but uh, it's, it's just pretty darn uh, cool. Um, but, yeah, you can hear everything. that You know, everything's clear. Drums are up there, everything, good separation, uh, and, and including the, the, the great background vocals and the harmonizing that goes on is great, too. So everything's clear, great sound, just a great job right. on that on the first album production definitely
0: what's the key element for you for that album is it the guitars is it the harmonies what's that one thing that really jumps out at you
3: um it's, it's kind of hard I, I i'd say the clarity of, of eddie's guitar especially when he does different things on it uh all different kinds of techniques and it's just it's just crystal clear you hear everything he's that's going on you don't know how he's doing it but but uh, it, it, you can really hear it well I think that's what stands out for me
0: yeah you Frankensteined it. Steve what are your thoughts on <laughs> sound and production and maybe the element that stands out the most for you
1: uh, I, I love the sound of the album I, I the thing I like the most about that is that I, I think that the Ted Templeman let the band be the band they mm. are there's very few rhythm tracks played um, underneath the the solos, it's it's just you know like like uh, Ken said that they're like a they're a trio they're a power trio and there's very few overdubs and he just lets them rock. If you listen to you know I mean the solos are fantastic but listen to Michael and Alex just play underneath these amazing solos. They are just an absolute chugging machine and like I said that I think that uh, the the best element for me is that like he just let them be them. It's probably out of any debut albums that I could think of, it's the most live sounding one that, that I could think of. It's just sounds like he's like, okay, you guys play. And, and it's, it's fantastic. And after reading, I, I I have to say, I kind of cheated in the Ted Templeman book. I just skipped to the Van Halen parts so far, but um, I, I, but like he he says in there and I you know I'll, you know they got he got into like David The Rock's vocals and stuff like that but um like he just wanted them to to just be the band just play and that's the, I think that's my favorite element of it he just let them play and Alex and Michael are just an absolute machine underneath Eddie
0: yeah and yet Ted was questioning. David Lee Roth, wasn't he? And that's one of the kind of catch phrases that have been grabbed out of this book that he almost thought about should we be re- replacing David Lee Roth at this early stage with a real singer um, <laughs> rather than necessarily. Uh, <clears throat> A performer with panache so mark you know take take us through it as a again as a working musician i always find your opinion extremely valuable especially when we talk about the sonics and some of the sounds but you know what are the elements that jump out of you, as you both in a professional sense and in you know just a, a fan sense
2: well i gotta tell you <clears throat> i've really did like a complete uh, like dive deep dive into the whole production of this record like for years now uh, it's been my mission to figure out so many aspects of this record and i and i've learned uh, uh, quite a lot i mean i was completely shocked at how they mic this drum set for example i mean everybody's thinking that they're using all these you know razzmatazzi you know special mics for the drum set and actually they did a special on it i believe was a produce like a pro It's a series that's on youtube that's the that that's on there, and uh, they do a lot of these kinds of deep dives into different production techniques. And they went to Sunset Sound and recreated the Van Halen one recording situation. And they had the actual track listing that was used for that album. And he was shocked as well as I was that, to hear that they were using SM57s, which are just the microphones that he would normally use for miking guitar cabs. They were using that for the kick drums. Like he was in shock. Like wow, they really just use that. For the bass drums, and they, because the bass drums sound pretty punchy. And like you said, it's not a typical bass drum sound, it's more pointed, more than it is big ballsy. So that's one of the things that really stood out differently on that drum set. And the sound of Eddie's guitar is one of the things that immediately stood out for me because as a three-piece, it's so gigantic. And one of the big things with that is that they used the echo chamber in Sunset Sound. They would they would put in his rhythm guitar sound into there and use that echo chamber sound. And what they would do is whenever he would play, they would hard pan his guitar to one side and hard pan the reverb from the echo chamber to the other side so that when he played, you had this gigantic stereo sound. Meanwhile, it was just one guitar, right? So that was one of the big things that they did that really made it a distinct sound. And, and one thing that I've noticed, too, was this is the only album where he has this kind of guitar sound. Once we get to two... And all the other albums later, his tone has significantly changed. Only on this record does he have such a huge, like, high-gain, you know, tube preamp kind of sound. As he goes on, he starts cutting back the gain and making a little less distorted as we go through the records. And, of course, the big thing on this record is the MXR phaser that he used on almost every single thing, like Atomic Punk, uh, Eruption... You know, every song that, and when he turn when he does a guitar solo, all you hear is click, click, he turns this on, and that's where you get that, that sound that he has on there. And it's really slow, like the speed on here, it's just one knob, a speed knob, right? And he has it set all the way down. Like it's pretty much the slowest rating you can have. And that's where you get that kind of chorusing effect, but it's kind of, Really, It's not as noticeable as if you would turn up the speed and it would start giving a kind of like a warbly sound to it. But that thing is one of the main things that gives him that sound. I mean, that's why, obviously, MXR made a signature pedal for him. I mean, that sound is so notorious. And every guitar player and their brother wants to have that sound at one point in their career, right? I mean, Paul Gilbert to this day still does that. He said that Van Halen 1 completely changed the way that he looked at playing guitar solos. So... There you go. Um, And again, having a three-piece band like that, you have to come up with a way to have such a full guitar sound like that. And you know, his his guitars, as we all know, were Frankenstein. He made them himself. A a ninety-dollar body he bought with a hundred and ten-dollar neck that he put together. He even dipped his own pickups into wax to kind of put to, to wax them properly. And like you could destroy a pickup doing that, but he loved doing these kinds of little. You know, things where he would go and experiment. And that's why he had his own sound. This is what guitar players seem to forget. You want to have your own sound, you have to do things that other people don't do. And Eddie Van Halen was doing that as far back as 76, 77. So that's why Van Halen 1 sounds the way it does. And throughout the whole career of Van Halen, he kept adding things and changing things and moving things around and changing amps, buying other things. So that's why his sound always evolved.
0: And I think it's probably the sound on this album that is its defining feature, because when you listen to Gene Simmons produce demos from late '76, what he flew them to New York, then you listen to the Warner demos that that they've done, and he's built that guitar in between those. To, and all of a sudden you I, I don't want to refer to it as the trebly high gain kind of sound but it's certainly a very metallic crunchy um, sound that is a signature part of that guitar um, Thinking of some of the other kind of questions that go around this is you know the song selection and singles and it's two separate questions Steve uh, I'll, I'll go to you you know what do you think about those single choices that they made they had four singles off this album which, you know, and they had the whole catalog of basically, what was it, 25 to 40 songs that they had already created, which would basically run the rest of the band's history with David Lee Roth. So what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I think that the choice of singles were, were pretty good. You really got me. I, I think I, I really like the choice of that because um, the, the Kinks song, it's good, but I like how... And any, and I think it's it's over any of the covers that Van Halen's done over the years. Like they they make it their own. And um, I thought that was a good choice. Jamie's crying was another one. Um, one of my lesser songs on the album. Um, it, it it's good though, but you could see how it, it's more radio friendly with the the chorus and the harmonies in it and stuff. Um, Running with the devil, just a, a a great start to the album. Like I said, that beginning, like when when we first heard that. I was like, is that a spaceship or you know what 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 the hell is that? And um and what was the other what was the other one? Uh, and you talked about love. Talk about you talk love. About right? love. Yeah. yeah, and I think that is one of the best hard rock songs ever. And uh, that's a song that if it was played as much as something like, uh, sorry guys, rock and roll night or um uh ACDC shook me all night long. I wouldn't be as sick of that song as I am the other ones. It's just, I think it's it's one of the best hard rock songs of all time and uh, it's fantastic. I it, I think it's a, a good choice. And um, the only other song I think that uh, would have been a good uh, single for them is maybe Little Dreamer, uh, a little more, you know, uh, slower tempo in it, but you know, good harmonies. And the uh, I, I think that's one of the songs that stands out for me guitar sound-wise. And it goes perfect with the the harmonies. And uh, Michael and Eddie's background vocals are just absolutely fantastic. They're another great foundation to the band that, um, you know, is, you know, I don't know, I don't think it's overlooked, but when they did stuff with Wolfgang live and stuff like that, you could tell Michael Anthony was not there.
0: That's why I boycotted the band when they came back and put him up there. I've never seen Van Halen because I couldn't see them with the original lineup. That's just one of those one of those things for me, and I have no desire to see Sammy Hagar. Um, Mark, same one to you.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the the singles were well picked. I mean, obviously, you really got me. Uh, while it was a fantastic choice for the first single, I mean, it was almost a necessity because of Edwards' sort of blunder in letting here letting Angel hear the early version of that. And then them going and recording it as well for their Casablanca release that was coming out, and of course in order to prevent them getting theirs on the you know air first, they had to release it months before, you know, and and of course uh, you know that that also spawned that very popular uh, release that our good friend Ken Keenan has in his collection, the old Looney Tunes uh, release there that that's a red vinyl release that's an early release of five songs off of the first album and that was done in order to you know get that song out there before angel was able to get their version of it out so uh very interesting that that happened and uh you know for collectors out there i guess they're sort of happy that happened because now we have a collector piece to go hunt for for Halen, because there's very little as far as that kind of stuff available for Van um the rest of the songs are very cool, though. I mean, Running with the Devil, what a fantastic song. And the fact that the B-side of that was Eruption, I mean, what a 1-2 that is for your stereo system, right? Um, and then in talking about Love, it's funny, that song was always the song that Eddie, when he reminisces about it, saying that it's a song that almost never happened, because when he first wrote it, he thought it was so ridiculously simple, he was almost ashamed to show it to the guys. And, you know, Dave was like, wow, what are you talking about? This is fantastic, let's do it, you know? So thanks to Dave, they were able to you know whip up another fantastic song but that's another song where every time you hear him doing that little solo lead part you hear this thing again come on and that's the main you know tone source for that song especially even the top of that song it's all that phaser right but it's a it's an absolutely fantastic song and you know another thing that we kind of have to look at as well is that Eddie Van Halen as a player his hands that guy what comes out of him playing-wise, many people can't recreate it. I mean, I remember uh, the song On Fire, the closing song of this album. I remember when David Lee Roth came through on the Skyscraper tour, and they played it, and he had Steve Vai, notably one of the greatest guitar players on this planet. And even when he played it, it just never sounds the same as when Eddie plays it. And this is Steve Vai playing here, okay? And I never thought that he did as much justice to the Van Halen songs you know he's a great player, but but there's something about Eddie's hands and the way he plays that gives him his own signature sound. Forget about the pedals, forget about the amps. It's just the way that he plays.
0: That's a really cool point because, boom, same thing for me when David Lee Roth came through Binghamton on the Edom and Smile tour, and that was my first ever concert, I thought the Van Halen stuff that they did that night was horrible, and I was really (laughs) shocked because Billy Sheehan and Steve Vai in a band, and it was just, you know, the Edom and Smile Smile stuff was fantastic. You know, that was exactly spot on, but all the Van Halen stuff, I did not enjoy at all that night, which, uh, you know, even with the the lead vocalist, that really does make it about the band. Uh, Ken, the singles. Your thoughts on those and maybe anything yeah, thing, that you you think should have been a single.
3: Uh, no, I think they got it pretty much right. I mean, you really got me is really, a no, was a no brainer. And like Steve said, you know, they, they made that one their own. Um, in the future, they usually, when they did covers also, they made them their own, but they've, they've, uh, screwed up a couple of them in my opinion (laughs) but uh uh but that one is a good one and that was a great job uh or a great idea to record that song as for uh like jamie's crying yeah it's it's the most you know other than you really got me the most radio friendly song i think uh on the album other than you really got me uh then so running with the devil is kind of you know you're gonna release that on Again, back in the day, AM radio, it, it's it's not gonna it's not gonna do much there. It's it's gonna be a FM player, and therefore the you know the eighty four. Uh, and I think even by that time, most of the people just went out and went ahead and bought the album anyway. They didn't need to go out and buy running with you know running with the devil or you know ain't talking about love. Um, because they already had the album, because everyone snatched, started snatching it up after hearing the, uh, you know, you re- really got me on the radio. And then, and the word of mouth and that sort of thing. Yeah,
0: and there was certainly a void that Van Halen came into. You know, I, I think, Mark, you mentioned it with Kiss, uh, whomever mentioned Kiss and mm. Dynasty and Unmasked <clears throat> kind of taking that left turn at Albuquerque, Aerosmith, <laughs> you know, didn't take a left turn, but had kind of dropped its quality. European stuff coming in like UFO, which was really popular, Judas Priest as well. But this was an American band with a, you know, a very strong identity. Um, before we move on to Van Halen too, I, I do want to ask if, you know... The demography and all the demos that do circulate, obviously, Van Halen used them or many of those unused pieces as the basis for a different kind of truth years later. Are there any songs that you think from those demos should have been included on, you know, this first release? Mark, any thoughts on that?
2: Um, I, I don't know. I mean, to, to me, a lot of those songs are like they're well done obviously but i think that as they worked on them years later and once they kind of had their feet solidly on the ground as far as you know what they were as a band i think that they kind of shaped them more into you know the kind of songs that they ended up being i mean like from what i understand girl gone bad was a wrong was around for a, for a, or was it no it was house of pain i believe that was house around for a very long time and I mean, even though it probably didn't really change too much from that time, I I think, though, that how it ended up in 1984 was much stronger, I think, than it wasn't on the demo sides. I mean, by then, you know, Eddie knew what he was all about and what he wanted to do and how he approached the songs. And it's almost like, you know, he looked at a song that he did back then and kind of just took it and gave it a real good sheen of paint and really just polished it up and made it into that song that it is on 1984. You know, I, I think that every song was put on the right record, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. Steve, thoughts on that?
1: Um, actually, I, I just listened to the demos today. I, I've had this CD forever, and it has has all those songs on it. And um, the only thing I really have to say about the demos are that um, in 10 Templeman's book, you, you alluded to it before, he said he wanted to replace David Lee Roth with Sammy Hagar. And listening to those demos, I could kind of see that because the vocals are really crappy on there. But he does. Ted does reel that back, and he says uh, later on in the book that if he had done that, it would have been the biggest mistake in rock and roll. And um, you know, if you listen to the to to the vocals on these demos and then go to Van Halen one, it's day and night. So they really worked with him, and I think that was the biggest thing that I got out of listening to the demos was how much uh, they were able to get an improved performance out of David Lee Roth for the for the album. You know, and, and Dave is Dave. You know singing live and julian actually i was at that same concert you were at too up in binghamton that was uh that was my go-to venue actually when i was growing up that's only an hour from me so i was wow. there too
0: that, that <laughs> is wild so yeah um you know when i mentioned uh you know about seeing david lee roth that night the same thing applies to sammy hagar for me singing van halen songs i listened to live without a Nat or when it was a radio broadcast Um, Again, back to my Binghamton days. I recorded it. I stayed up for it, um, recorded that whole thing, listened back to it the next day and threw the tape in the garbage. Um, (laughs) And I've just never really gone back. So, uh, Ken, demos. Are there there any that you would use or egregious misses?
3: Yeah, no, not really. I think it's a, a solid album from front end to back end. Um, though maybe I would have used one of those demos, maybe uh, on the second album, uh, added that, added one there, because it's it's a little bit. The second album's not quite as what the first album was. So um, otherwise, yeah, I think it's it's a perfect album from the start to end. I I don't. I mean, maybe the, the my least favorite song is probably the last song on the album, uh, but which is still, you know, a pretty good song, you know, on fire. So, uh, no changes, no changes.
0: Yeah, I, I wouldn't make any changes. I wouldn't take a single song off this, especially the yeah. first four. You know, we talk about one two punch on um, albums so often. Mm-hmm. You have a one two three four. Five, six, seven, eight, <laughs> you know, it really, <laughs> it, it, it really is a, a nigh on a perfect album. I think my only complaint, and this also comes into the second album, is that Let's Get Rockin' never got used. Um, mm. real, I, I don't think that's on the Zero demos. That was one of the Warner ones that came later. Um, or, or maybe it was. I, I, I don't know. Outer, about the- Out of
1: outer Space, that became.
0: Okay, yeah. So... And again, that, that I'm not going to ever talk about uh, a different kind of truth. Because, well, it is what it is. Let's move on to Van Halen 2. And straight up, I'm going to get it out here. This is my least favorite of <laughs> the original Van Halen albums. I have never enjoyed it particularly. It's got its moments on it. But compared to the first and to my favorites... It just does not hold a candle. Let's talk about your your, your first thoughts on Van Halen too, and Steve, we'll start with you on that.
1: Uh, Van Halen too, uh Sorry, Julian. This, this one is my go-to Van Halen album, by the way. Um, uh-huh. I I I I love this album with one exception, one glaring exception. Um, like the even like you're no good. It, it's such a when I first heard that I'm like, God, I, I you know I was. I was 11 years old when this came out. So I was like, I knew I heard this song before, but it was like, a, like a girl singing it, I think, or something. And, um, and it, and then I would, and then I heard it like weeks later and I'm like, Hey, there's that song. But I, I really like the, the version of it. I, I love the songs on it. It's not as raw sounding as the first album. It's, it's definitely more polished. And I think it was Mark that said, um, you don't get that as much of a live feel for, the band on Van Halen two as you do on Van Halen one, but uh, I as far as the songs go, I love the songs and 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 I mean you can't beat Van Halen one, but like Van Halen two is my go-to because I think there's there's uh, so many more unknown deeper tracks on that, and I just have to say I think Women in Love is the absolute worst or original Van Halen song. I hate that song. <laughs> it's such. It's such a momentum killer on the album. You have "Light Up the Sky," "DoA," and then "Women in Love." I'm like, oh! And they and they did that live the last time I saw them. And uh, you know, just to, for the testament for this album, the last tour that they did, they did half this album on the on the show. It was in half the out. Although it sucks because um, "Women in Love" was in there, but um, they literally did half of this album. On the on the last tour that they did, and I absolutely love it. I think this is more of a um, uh, like a party type album than the first one. Like there's like good rock songs, good vibe on the first one, but I think uh, you get more of a party vibe from Van Hillen, too.
0: Ken, does this make you want to party? <laughs> uh,
3: well, you know, what? It was my first album I got, and you know what? I don't think. It was right after the weird thing about this is I I told you I heard the first album and then after I went out I went out and I didn't buy the first album I don't know if it wasn't there maybe and I thought oh this is the second album okay I'll buy that I hadn't heard anything off the album yet so it was a first listening experience from the get go when I listened to Van Halen 2 and right away when I hit <laughs> the first song you're no good I'm like. Well, what the heck did they do here Uh, because (laughs) because i'm a huge Linda ronstadt fan from before that i had her heart like a wheel album which had you're no good i listened to that song a million times so it was ingrained in my head so when i heard van halen's version of it it's like oh my no 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 no. i can't you know so (laughs) that's that's the one glaring thing on the album that i i can't take it's caused again I, I, the Linda Ronstadt version is the version for me. That's it. Okay. Um, so I would have just thrown that one away. That's where maybe they could have used like "She's the Woman" on this album or something like that, uh, which I think is a pretty good good song. Um, they could have even let let off the album with "Dance the Night Away," which is uh, you know, what, my my first hearing of it, I thought it was great. The first time I heard that song, so. Yeah, there's some other songs on here, like, uh, you know, they're going, like, for Spanish Fly, you know, he's trying to do a, an acoustic eruption, in my opinion. <laughs> That's all I can figure. I don't know if it was needed, but obviously, i never heard anybody play a acoustic guitar like that before. That's pretty amazing. Um, and Woman in Love, the only thing good about that, like, you know, Steve hates that song. Um, I love the beginning of it. You know the his, which you think is tapping and harmonizing kind of thing. Uh, Yeah, it's like that is so great, but that never really happens much in a song, and it's like it becomes a different song after that intro. So it's kind of like eh, it kind of became a downer because I wanted more of that kind of thing. So, but uh, yeah, it's 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 a good album, and I I don't know what else to say. It's it's good.
0: Yeah, uh, Steve, just to uh, take that one step further, I wrote some notes about this album because I had to re-listen to it, you know, many times in order to even talk about it today. I wrote one word next to Women in Love, Ug. Ugh. <laughs> and I'll, I'll leave that there. Mark, your thoughts on Van Halen 2?
2: Well, Van Halen 2, I think, uh, <laughs> suff- suffers from uh, a few things. Now, I, I like Van Halen, too. It's far from my favorite, but I think that it suffers from a few things. Number one, it was recorded a week after they were done their world tour uh, and they were done it in a week's time. Now, for a band that had just sold lots of copies, like millions of copies, from what I understand, of a, of a debut record, you would think that they would be given at least a little bit more time to work on it. And, you know, it's that old thing from before where, where you hear bands saying that, you know, you had your whole life to prepare for your first mm. record and then, you know, six months to write your next one, right? So I think, though, while they had lots of material available, obviously, to make Van Halen 2, I think there was a lot of things in there that they could have did differently. Like, maybe they could have, you know, spent a bit more time, go over the arrangements a little bit more, you know, re- rethink if these were the best songs to do, because obviously the first album, They knew what they wanted to get done, probably, and they just tackled it and played it live off the floor. One of the things I remember in my years of researching these Van Halen albums is that Edward Van Halen in particular was not very happy with the recording of this album. And when your key guy is not happy, it's going to show up a bit, at least in some manner. Now, while his playing, I think, is fantastic on this record, you know. He said that there was more overdubs on this album than there were on the prior ones, so that got on his nerves a little bit because he probably wanted to do the same thing as the first album again, right? Uh, His tone changed a lot. Now, anybody who's familiar with guitar amps, I can just uh, explain it this way. You take a Marshall amp and the, the preamp volume, you know, where you get your distortion from, you know, he took that knob and kind of turned it down a bit On the first album, he had it on maybe like nine, the distortion. And on this album, he kind of backed it down to about a seven and just turned the overall volume up. So he used more of the power amp tube section of the amp, and he got that more of a fatter sound but less distortion. And another thing that's interesting is each album that he did, starting from the first one, he always introduced some sort of new little technique that guitar players latched on immediately. Like at first, of course, it was the tapping thing, the two-handed bit, right? in this album he started adding that natural harmonic thing that was ar- sorry the artificial harmonics where you t- where you fret a note and then you go 12 frets up and tap that note just lightly with your finger and that's the beginning of women in love that do, do 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 that all that little thing there is all of those little tapped out notes there and you add a delay on top of that and a little bit of chorusing and that's how you get that sound from that so everybody jumped on that, and same thing with uh, Dance the Night Away. You know, in that breakdown, that do 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 do. When he breaks that down, he's just tapping that with his right hand, and fr- and putting the chords on the left hand, and that's how you get that kind of jangly sound that he does on that too. So everybody, once they discovered that, everybody started doing that as well. So you know, it's that's one of the things I liked about this record is he introduced a new kind of technique that people latched onto, but. You know, I agree. Women in Love is not exactly the best song on here. Uh, and, and I always thought that Beautiful Girls being that closer was an interesting selection. I thought it probably should have been the start of, you know, side two, because that was such a great song. I mean, what a good way to start a side rather than to end a whole record, you know. But, uh, you know, th- this album is very, you know, hit and miss, in my opinion. The, and, and just a little note about the uh, Spanish Fly thing. Uh apparently Eddie Van Halen was in the lounge with his classical guitar playing and doing that. And Ted Templeman looked at him and said, Wow, you know how to play classical guitar? And he looked at him stupidly back and said, It's still a guitar. You know what I mean? Like he was almost like, Well, of course I can play it. It's a guitar, you know? And so he just got him in there, shoved the mic in front of him, and they recorded it, and it became another piece that he's been using for years and years in his solo section.
0: Yeah, to me it sounds like it literally was a microphone shoved in front of him. Never yeah. did a thing for me, Spanish Flight. It's awkward. Um, one of the things that I notice is that there are a lot of parallels between the first album and this. If you think of Running With The Devil and the, kind of the beginning, the bass, the pulsing bass, you have the same thing basically being done in You're No Good at the beginning of that song. You've got a very... a a very obvious bass element that starts off both of the albums. So that to me is like the only continuity between the two, because then you kind of get into a a band that's trying to show that it's maturing and dance tonight. The way away I always thought was a cover. Until I actually bought a copy of the album and saw that they had written it. And I love the harmonics that they use to kind of imitate the calypso type drums or whatever you'd call those mm. things that are played in like Jamaica, the Caribbean. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's absolutely amazing um, to consider that sort of thing. But for the most part, It is such a hit-and-miss album for me. Women in Love, uh, I've already said, is garbage. Spanish Fly is the anti-eruption. It's like you've gone from having explosive pyrotechnics and fireworks of guitars to having the very muted and the production's very kind of single note across it. And the drums, for me, are, are the instrument that really is featured on this album. Steve, tell me that I'm an idiot and that I'm wrong.
1: You're you're not wrong about the drums, that's for sure. Um, and actually, there's a couple songs on here, and I just put down the the drums are the are the the instrument on this on this album. It's uh, fantastic. He really brought out Alex his uh, his playing on this album. And and once again, you get that great interplay between him and Michael Anthony on this album. And actually, Julian, here's exactly what I have written down for Women in Love. Terrible, terrible song. Kills album momentum. Just ugh. <laughs> so (laughs) we definitely have the same thing and in the beginning of the song it starts out with any song that starts out with marge is going to be terrible that's all (laughs) i'm going to say
0: all right let's talk about some of the singles on here um well there are only two singles dance the night away and beautiful girls right choices wrong choices i think dance night the way um is a fantastic choice because it shows a different sort of band. It it shows them stepping out of kind of getting pigeonholed into being a rock band and nothing but a rock band and being able to do something that has crossover (laughs) appeal. Um, Beautiful Girls. Um, I think it's a great ending song and not such a great single.
3: There we go. Ken. (laughs) Well, yeah, Death Night Away is a no brainer again. Uh, just a great catchy song uh made for made for radio obviously um i you know i like beautiful girls i think that's a great song i I agree with mark that it should have been up you know definitely earlier in the album and not at the end of the album like that maybe what women in love or women in love should have been the the ending (laughs) of the uh album um i also would have maybe you know somebody get me a doctor could could have maybe made a single i don't know that's a pretty darn you know uh good song so and uh you know yeah they they chose the right songs for singles
2: mark production well i i think that uh before i get to the production really quickly i'm just going to say that dance the night away i think was a good single uh and also i'm not sure if people realize this but I think not only was it a decent single and showed that they matured, which is a dangerous word for a band that wants to be rebellious, um, matured as songwriters, but it definitely was a hit in every single high school dance. I don't think I've ever been to a high school dance that didn't have Dance the Night Away played for the slow dance part. Every school that I know had that. I, I think that they must have sold, you know, hundreds of thousands of copies of the record simply because of that, from you know high school dances i'm i guarantee it because that that song i think i even read it somewhere in a magazine in circus somewhere they said that it was probably one of the most played song in high school dances was Dance the night away so there you go Uh, they succeeded in that front uh beautiful girls i think it's a great song i think that it's very catchy sounds great on radio especially if you're driving in your car in the middle of the afternoon and all of a sudden this, this starts playing you just want to grab that volume knob and turn it up it's a it's such a great you know radio song i think it's perfect um a production wise on this album yeah it's it's lacking from it it doesn't have that same cohesion the drums though sound fantastic obviously they probably decided to try some better microphones for his drum set because it does sound a lot better i mean you know and alex van halen throughout the years has been one of those rare drummers That you can always tell it's him by the sound of his snare drum he has such a signature sound on drums the way his drum kit sounds especially that snare i mean it was one of those contention points when they did uh a balance with bruce fairburn years later so but you know that's for another time but yeah it's he has such a signature sound and that's you know something that uh i was very surprised in in one sense that they focus so much on it because back in those days drummers weren't exactly always the thing that you would focus on but he has such a great sound why not uh michael anthony his bass sound i think was a little thinner on this record i i didn't i didn't find it as you know full as it was on the first record now was it because it was it didn't have the same production uh uh, like well how they didn't they didn't record it the same way as the first album because think about it if you're in a live situation and you're in one room together playing, the sound of everything else bleeds into all kinds of other things. Your bass sound can bleed into the drum mics. It can bleed into the guitar amp. It can bleed into a vocal mic. But if you're separating it more now, all of a sudden you get none of that. And if you have a thin bass sound, you got a thin bass sound and that's it, right? But, you know, overall, it's not the worst sounding album. I mean, when they did the remastered series that you held up there, Julian, uh, and they went through them all, they, they they improved on the sound i think a little bit they they umped up the they umped up the bass a little bit on it but it's still lacking seriously i think production wise compared to the other album
0: yeah in one of my notes i described the bass as plodding and it's mm-hmm. it's muddy and that i think is my biggest problem with this you know and my other note is that guitars feel buried under the vocals <clears throat> the harmonies and the drums uh steve your thoughts on the the production, especially since this is your go to album
1: yeah, I, I I do agree with the, uh, the like I said before, the production is you don't have that that live feel that you had with the with the first album and and i, I and, and you know what Mark said with how they recorded it was probably different. and you don't I don't know it doesn't have that as much of a power trio feel as the as the first album does because there's a lot more um rhythm tracks played under the solos on some of these songs like you don't have that on the first album and and it really shows through but like the drums listen to the drums on out of love again Um, just alex van halen is just off the scale on this album and and actually i have a a written down here Uh, the drums win the day here and um but fantastic and as far as the singles go um, anybody that, you know, if you gave someone Van Halen to and said, pick the song that should be the single, you would, I don't think anybody would not say dance the night away for, for a single for that, for the album. And um, beautiful girls. Great. I mean, that song absolutely screams summertime for me that, you know, you got a drink in your hand, you got toes in the sand, you know, you, you just, you can't be, I think it's a good single. And, um, and, and Mark, you, I think Mark said that um he didn't think it was a good ending for the album. I don't think it's bad, but, um, does anyone else kind of have a, a, a problem with the sequence of the songs in this album? Um, like I, I think you're no good was a terrible song to start the album with. Yeah. Um, I mean, throw light up the sky in there or something like to open the album. You know what I mean? Just like something boom out of the gate, you know, here we are. Our first album was great. We're back. We're starting with a rocking song. And I, I think that maybe that song kind of sets the tone for how people feel about this album. When you just put it on, you get that like that murky, swampy bass sound, and you're like, I was, I was even kind of like, what is this? But I think if they they mixed a couple things up, and Mark, I think Beautiful Girls would have been great for starting on the side two, and um, but definitely, uh, and, and light up the sky starts up side two, so if you flip that to side one, and you know, just um, I I would like rather them just do a nine album song, and just not have uh, Women in Love in there at all, but um. You know, like the Stones say, you can't always get what you want. But um, I, I just I, I like the album. I just like the I like the deeper tracks that it has that more of a party feel for me. But just like you're no good. I like it. But it's like way down on the list. And uh, but like, you know, the songs like Bottoms Up, Somebody Get Me Doctor, uh, DOA, you know, songs like that. Just they're they're fantastic. But um, the production is is definitely don't get that live feel like the first one.
2: Yeah, I, I got Sorry, go ahead. Oh, you got. I was gonna say that I think that that's one very important point that was brought up here is that whole thing with the but the but the beginning of it because running with the devil starts out so powerfully and is such a big introduction to a record. You put this on, and I'll never forget the first time I put this album on. I thought I was had I thought I had the wrong side on. I thought I was putting on side two, and I looked at it. I was like, no, this is side A. But it's such a slow sort of song to start off an album especially a Van Halen album I was like why is this on here but yeah lighting up the sky would have been so much better that did like that's such a better introduction to an album than boom 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 some weird bass sound like going through it's like come on man I mean I just think that they I really think they rushed it and I think because of the success of the first album. I think you had a lot of suits running around, patting them all on the back, saying, great stuff, guys, great stuff. It sounds like it sounds killer, guys. Let's just get it out there and get you back on the road and literally kicking them back into the tour bus and saying to get back out there. And let's let's make another million seller. Let's go. You know, because I think that they would have put more thought into it, like the track order and some of the songs. This could have been a standout album.
0: Yeah, so let's talk about some of your favorite tracks about this, and uh, we'll go back and mention those from the first album as well, uh, you know, before we wrap up. But uh, favorite three songs on the album, Ken. Ooh,
3: three, three songs. Okay. Well, let me just say first, because I didn't say anything about production, I agree with all <laughs> you guys on that. Mm-hmm. And uh, the song sequence is a definite thing that stuck, you know, stood out in my mind, and the production. And that may be the production. I don't know if the producer uh, chose the song sequence. Sometimes, usually they do, I think. Um, it's up to them. Um, but the other thing is about, yeah, the guitars are, are not, do not have that same crunch as the, the first album. So that was a big, big thing for me. Um, so standout songs, obviously, Dance the Night Away, Beautiful Girls. I, um, what else? I, I really like... Uh, Bottoms Up is another great song. I, I I really like the on Out of Love. Um, I really like the you know the time signature that they're 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 doing there. You know they're really going at it. I mean you can really sh- see the strength of the the rhythm section there between you know uh, Alex and and Michael Anthony. So um, th- you yeah, know those are the songs that really stand out for me. Again again. You're no good on this. No good. No
0: good. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned uh, "Out of Love" again because my notes on that were I got nothing. Well, the drum patterns are interesting. That's, that's all yeah, I got. It's out.
3: kind of a, it's a cool. Yeah,
0: yeah but uh, so, other than that, you know, didn't do a thing for me, Steve. What, what are your like three picks from this album?
1: Uh, my three picks are, are definitely bottoms up. Love that. I love when they and actually that, that song kind of harkens me back to the first album. When you get that that middle part, come on, ma mom, ma ma baby, and they 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 do some of that on the on the first album. That kind of takes you back to the feel of the first yeah. album. Light up the sky is fantastic. Sure. And uh, like I said before, I just love beautiful girls. It's just such, uh you know that's a song that I play every summer. I mean I play it all the time, but like that's like a, a go-to summer song for me
0: nice great picks mark
2: how about you well my three are pretty yeah i think that they're the ones that i've always thought were the best off of this record which are uh lighting up light up the sky is fantastic i always thought that was really good uh some interesting vocals with dave on that one uh beautiful girls that to me is just so signature Van Halen and signature David Lee Roth. I mean, those lyrics are just you you know that he wrote those top to bottom. And for sure, I think the other one is uh Somebody give Me a Doctor. I've always loved that one. Again, another interesting little uh guitarist thing there. We did it when he does that train simulation with the dan and then dan and that volume swell. That's always been a cool little trick that everybody sort of jumped onto when they figured out how he did that.
0: Alright, mine. Light Up the Sky, and I agree with the sentiments that that should have started the album as it would have been. It's a nice carryover from the sound or the style of the first album's material um, that would have set it up better. Um, Beautiful Girls, obviously. Everything that you guys have already said about it, you know, I just echo those sentiments. Great ending song. Um, But my my third pick's DOA, and it's such a big, filthy riff. For me, that is the best track on this album. That that is my my number one pick, amusingly. And you know, there's I'm surprised when I went back through this, I didn't have all those negative feelings that I had as a teenager over this album. So I have no idea why I didn't like it. Maybe stuff like Spanish Fly just really bothered me. And starting off an album, with, you're no good, and then having that cover song that wasn't a cover song just uh, really changed my perception because it's not as bad as I remember. Let's get your top three picks from the first album as well. Steve. Um,
1: you can't go wrong with Ain't talking About Love. Like I said, I feel that is one of the best hard rock songs ever. Uh, never get sick of that one. Um, and one song I don't think anybody talked about before, and we talked about that one, is Atomic Punk. That song is just ripping. And, you know, the, the the you know scraping of the strings or whatever. And that was another thing when I first heard that I'm like, what the what is this? This is like I never heard anything like that before. And the song is just ripping um, and ice cream, man. You know, it's a it's an old, old song. But like another one, they just make their own. The guitar and that song is just so fantastic. And that is one very good standout song with uh, Michael and Alex underneath the, the guitar, the guitar solos in that song. Just absolutely fantastic. And this is what I consider fun. Halen with yeah. david lee roth there's just the element of fun and you know and i you know i could say the sammy would be bad halen for me but that's that's a whole nother discussion but <laughs> i just like the sense of fun that david lee roth brings to the band and um you know he, he he instantly think fun when you think van halen you don't think of uh you know like oh you know like you know like like uh, you know like like gene says about like Sam oh we're gonna you know do hands of doom are coming down all this stuff. You just instantly think fun when you think Van Halen. And that's why they are, you know, and, and it was like, like totally, uh, you know, flipped us from what kiss was doing at the time. We heard this, we were all in on Van Halen and it's just, I think it's the fun element of it. And, um, you know, they're, they're a pick me up band. You, you you're you down in the, you know, if you're down in the dumps, you need something to bring you up, put on some Van Halen.
2: Oh, Oh, that's awful. Um, <laughs> Mark, <laughs> Well, um, I like I've, I've heard must have heard this album a hundred million times. I mean, being a guitar player, it's it's been you know a guitar player's goal to probably learn to play to this album, beginning to end, at least once or twice in your life. And uh, when I was younger and uh, not so arthritic in this hand, I was able to play this album note for note, beginning to end, and I I loved it. It was one of my favorite party things to pull out the album and say hey check this out and play the record with it play to the record uh, but the songs that always have sat well with me and that i've always loved number one is i'm the one i've always loved that song with some great you know guitar playing some absolutely gymnastic kind of left hand stuff going on in there um also uh feel your love tonight i always thought that was a great guitar riff in there and the, the vocal harmonies in that are just fantastic And even when they break it down and just do the vocal parts, it's just really well done in that song. And my favorite song off this record, always has been, always will be, is On Fire. I've always loved that song. And just the way that the song sounds, I don't think Van Halen has made a song similar to that ever, I don't think, since that that song came out. It, It is so epically big but so short you know what i mean i wonder if you ever heard heard such an epic sounding song but that was that was that short you know it was one of those songs where when it was done i was like no no there's got to be more you know and it it was just over and done before you knew it but there was so much in it to to just love and it just really took me that song I, i love it and just just a note for you steve that atomic punk thing at the beginning basically it's just you just hold the strings with your left hand and the palm of your hand here you just scrape it up and down the strings with the phaser on and that's what does does that would you go up and down like that And if you want to do that really fast part you have to literally like really like do that with your hand to get that part
0: cool Ken. ken did i get yours off the first out
3: no no um so my my three would be uh running with the devil Obviously, you know it's just a great song, great lead song. song. Uh, that's always a favorite. Um, ain't talking about love, of course, and uh, Fear your love tonight, which is another just, just great, catchy and cool riff song. So those are my three.
0: Yeah, and your first two are mine as well. Running with the devil and ain't talking about love, and then my third one's Jamie's crying all plays Mm. love kind of the storyteller part. You don't get a lot out of Van Halen having an actual kind of story, and it's one of those quirky songs that I always look forward to when I put my Van Halen playlist on. Um, For both of these albums, as VH1 and VH2, are there any songs that you despise, that you strongly can say that you do not like and i, I think we've covered the one from vh2 uh as that seemed to be pretty unanimous uh but you know just let us know the two that you don't like steve
1: um th- there's nothing that i that i hate as much as women in love um there, there's something and, and and there's no real major skippers there's nothing that i'm going to get up off my butt and you know move the needle on the on the thing you know i may you know hit you know, next on, on you know, uh, only songs that you're kind of burned out on. And, and it's actually one thing that I found is interesting to listen to um, put. Um, I'm sorry, put uh, you really got me in a playlist without Eruption before. it. It's it's interesting. It's it, it has a weird feel to it when you don't hear Eruption before that on the album. It's it's odd because I had a I had a, a Van Halen playlist going and and it and it played Eruption. And then something else played after it and, I, and it kind of you know kind of took me back. you're not used to hearing those two not together and um, but there's there's nothing really that I that I hate on on them only women in love like I can't really say you know you're no good I, I like it. I really like the song but I, I hate it as an opener and that's the only thing that I hate about that song. I just hate it as an opener. And, and I and I never even thought of, uh, you know, using Beautiful Girls to open up side two. If you open up side two with Beautiful Girls and open up the album with with uh, Light Up the Sky, I think a lot of people would have had a, a, a different feeling about this album or unless they played it like Ken played Dynasty and played side two first. Yeah. And, and, and it's weird, too, because I did that with Back in Black. Because oh, really? forever, I thought that uh, Back in Black was the first song on the album. I never, I, I, when I put that on, because it was the song that I heard, I'm like, oh, it must be the first song. And I, I don't know, until maybe 10 years ago, I always thought that was that was the first song on Back in Black. So, And that's how I look at it. But like, uh, I think it would people would have a different feeling if, if they sequenced that album differently.
0: And nearly everyone in the world has been listening to Judas Priest's Sad Wings of Destiny Wrong. Because that's actually backwards as well, except they changed they change the artwork to reflect the, the screwed up uh, track list. Rather, oh, really? Rather than correcting the uh, actual order. So hmm. uh, it, it'll change your whole perspective when you uh, go and listen to that, right? I recently did a, a show with someone about that album and mentioned that. Uh, Ken. You're not a guy who actually actually hates anything. Are there any songs that you dislike sure on these two things
3: on these I, two I hate, albums?
0: Sure, I hate things.
3: Uh, no, um, well, yeah, obviously, you're no good. Again, that just was uh, a real whatever you want to call it, thorn in my side or something, uh, because the 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 only versions that really stands out for me is you know linda death. so um uh i don't despise really anything else uh on the first album again yeah you can't really pick one um again i, I mentioned on fire i know uh mark likes that song um but i, I just that's just my least favorite song on the album it doesn't mean i don't like it or hate it or anything. it's just it that's i think it belongs on the end the album uh which is where it landed, so that's it, yeah.
0: Yeah, I strongly, positively despise Women in Love, and uh, I, <laughs> I, I don't much care for Out of Love Again, but uh, off the first album, not a single thing, uh, you know, it's just perfection, and even mm-hmm. on VH2, Van on 2, I wouldn't change it, because it just is what it is. It's a reflection in time of where they were at that moment that they rushed into the studio and recorded it by hook or by crook. Um, Mark, there's things that you don't like off either album, one song from each.
2: Vocal. Mike. Sorry. There I have you to go. turn it down. So I have to turn it down because the dog is going bonkers because uh, oh. UPS decided to bring the rest of my records. So i had to go and grab them so uh that's why i (laughs) took off um as far as not liking anything um first album i i love it top to bottom i mean even little dreamer to me sits in a perfect place on the record i mean by the time you get to little dreamer i mean you're being so hit over the head with these non-stop party fantastic songs that once you get to little dreamer it's like that perfect little you know little soothing part of the record and then you're back into it you know ice cream man comes back with that little guitar part at the beginning and then you're into you know on fire um but i have to agree with van halen too uh you're no good uh i've, I've never been very good or never been very much into that song i never thought it was very not, i never thought it was a strong song and the fact that it opens the record is just unbelievable and uh you know I think I'll echo the sentiment of women in love. is not a good song either.
0: Women in love. You've been voted off the Island. All right. So <laughs> let's wrap up with a final question. Um, not to do with either of these albums necessarily, but uh, what is your favorite or go to Van Halen? Listen, if you want to listen to Van Halen, you are guaranteed 99.9% of the time to reach for this album. Steve, your pick is
1: Van Halen too. Van Halen too. I, I would, uh, that, that's definitely one, and like I said, like I, I actually made a playlist of all the Van Halen from all the Van Halen albums, and I just skipped the songs that I don't listen to in like a Spanish Fly and Women in Love are, are not on the, the Van Halen 2 portion of that, and if I had to go pick another one, it would be
0: 1984.
2: Yeah. Mark? For unlawful carnal knowledge. Please no. Yeah, that's actually, you know as far as far as uh for, favorite... we're talking
0: about van halen
2: yeah yeah i know i know i know i'm talking about van halen because uh, i actually i've never had an issue with sammy hagar being in the band at all in fact one of my favorite concerts i've ever seen was the ron lawful carnal knowledge tour at the sky dome here in toronto when they played Van alice and chains opened for them here uh fantastic i mean it's one of the best sounding records they've done as well. And I love that. I love that record top to bottom. I mean, it's, it's one of those records that (laughs) it satisfies every little bit of my, my musical liking. Sorry about that. Stupid dog. Jack disagrees with you too. Yeah, she does. She does. She doesn't (laughs) seem to agree with that selection. And she ran off before I could score her. Uh, Anyways. Yeah. bite Bite him. Bite him. Bite him. <laughs> yeah, but it, it is my. It, it's, I think, the record where honestly Eddie came back with a little bit more of his Guitar Hero prowess. I'll just leave it at that.
0: Fair enough. There is no wrong answer, is there? Um, mine is Fair Warning. And it was kind of where the guitars were big and brash, mm. and back yep. in focus. I don't have anything against Women and Children First. Like that one tremendously. But it was just like after, two, after Van Halen 2 and that, all of a sudden it was like we're a guitar band. This is about mm-hmm. Eddie. This isn't about great sounding drums. This is about some mean riffs as well. And that album has um, a bucket full of mean riffs. I have never tried to play a single song off Van Halen 1 or 2. I have tried to play stuff off... Um, fair warning you yeah, know on guitar that that is the one that I reach for a guitar when listening to Ken why don't you end us
3: with yours all right uh, yeah I mean my go to the one I probably listen to the most is the first album um, close second for me was is fair warning like I said I, I love that one I love to put that one on because it's so it's more raw and heavy um so it was a good departure. Uh, but yeah, the first album, I, I can't go wrong with it. I, I do. I know I play it more than any other Van Halen album.
0: Nice. So that's our topic the first two Van Halen albums. There's probably a couple of questions in there that I skirted through. Um, but you know what? I think that's more than enough on those two albums. So we'll leave it there. So, for now, from Steve, from Ken, from Mark, and myself, thanks for joining us. Go play some uh, Van Halen and make sure you put Eruption in the right place in your playlist. Bye for now. (laughs) Thank you for watching or listening to this episode. Be sure to subscribe to us, like us, or even leave us a review. You can find us and join the conversation on Facebook. (laughs)